Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Monday episode for week 16 of the 2024 NBA season. Here at the beginning of February, we're getting into some important uh, dates and deadlines. Of course, this week is the week of the trade deadline. Uh, Thursday, February 8th, the trade deadline will conclude uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For us here in Mountain Time, that's 1 o'clock. We will, have, of course, have a trade deadline special then. We'll talk schedule in just a moment. First of all, I'm your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show uh, and or welcome back to the show, both previous listeners and brand new listeners alike. Thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate your support. Um, we mentioned last time we'd have some updates as far as schedule for these next few weeks. And if you're following us on our social media pages, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Twitter or X, whichever you prefer there, we do have an updated schedule. And I'll run through that real quick. We're doing our normal Monday episode today, the 5th. We don't have a Wednesday episode um, because we'll be doing a Thursday trade deadline special. We'll recap all the moves that were made, uh, discuss the impact for those teams, so on and so forth. And then we'll have our normal Friday episode as well. So it's a three-episode week still, but that middle episode is Thursday instead of Wednesday. Then the following week, we have a Monday episode on the 12th. And then a Friday episode on the 16th. Only two. We're not doing a Wednesday episode um, simply because this week, this next couple of weeks is busy with my personal job. And so, um, especially around Valentine's Day, um, plus I have some personal plans for the loose time surrounding Valentine's Day. So um, I figured it was best to just plan for the two episodes. And then following that uh, Friday, that is the last, well, the, the Thursday, the 15th, is the last day of regular season games before the All-Star break. And that will run from the 16th through the 20th. And so we won't have a Monday episode on the 19th, but we'll come back on the 21st with all our, with our All-Star special. Um, we'll also, on the 22nd, have a bonus franchise focus episode uh, where we'll break down the New York Knicks. And then on the 23rd, we'll be back to our normal schedule with a Friday episode of the podcast. So um, three episodes this week, two next week, three the following week, just in a slightly different time frame, And it's all kind of bounced around trade deadline, all-star weekend, and just personal obligations outside of the podcast. So again, that's kind of the loose breakdown. Definitely, again, check out our, our social media pages if you're curious for a, a visual look at that calendar. But that being said, let's go ahead and actually get into the podcast itself, starting with our five on five drill, six men. Both of those segments, of course, uh, our way of doing game recaps from this last weekend, um, as well as our key news from the last couple of days of uh, the NBA news cycle. All right, here we go. We're starting on Friday night with the Atlanta Hawks hosting the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the Suns, one of the better teams in the NBA over the last few weeks, at least one of uh, on the hotter stretches uh, of those teams. But the Hawks able to cool them off. 129 to 120, your final score in Atlanta for the home team, the Hawks, in this game. Uh, pretty close affair throughout. Uh, Atlanta, of course, had the bigger leads, but even then, 
Uh, the two teams are pretty evenly matched. Uh, the difference was made up uh, just a hair in, you know, three point percentage and a little bit of the rebounding battle as well as the turnovers. Phoenix turned the ball over um, nearly twice as much as Atlanta did. So a couple of deciding factors in this game for the Suns. They were led by Kevin Durant, 35 points, eight boards, eight assists, two steals as well. He was five of nine from three point range. They got 24 points from Devin Booker, uh, 14 points, 10 assists from Bradley Beal. 14 points as well from Yusuf Nurkic. Nurkic also with nine rebounds. And then 12 points for Grayson Allen. Meanwhile, for the, the Hawks, they were led by Trey Young. 32 points, 15 assists with three steals. He had seven turnovers, but was still very effective. He shot seven of 11 from three-point range for a 63% uh, shooting percentage from three. And speaking of Trey Young, he tied Stephen Curry after this game for third most games with 30 points, 10 assists, and five three-pointers. Those combined stats, 30 points, 10 assists, five threes. He tied Steph for the third most such games. Um, the only two ahead of those guys are Damian Lillard in second with 30 and James Harden in first with 42. Couldn't quite find the total for Trey Young and Steph Curry, number of games as they've had those stats, but still um, pretty remarkable statistical category to be in. He was run by DeJounte Murray, 22 points, eight boards, five assists, uh, 23 off the bench as well was the second leading scorer, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, and then they got 15 points off the bench as well from Nyeka Kungwu, and then 11 points, 10 boards for Clint Capella. Impressive win for Atlanta. We'll actually have more to talk about with them in another game. But for now, let's jump to our second game real quick in San Antonio with the Spurs hosting the New Orleans Pelicans and the visiting team, the Pelicans able to narrowly escape with a win thanks to a Zion uh, layup game-winning type shot. Final score 114 to 113 for the New Orleans Pelicans. And uh, San Antonio kind of lets this one slip. They had as much as a 12-point lead in the third quarter. New Orleans fought back and, uh, excuse me, they were able to, to take the game. Both teams struggled from three-point range. Um, but down on the wire, Zion got it done for New Orleans. As far as box score goes for the Spurs, they were led by Devin Vassell, 28 points, 5 of 10 from 3. They got 20 points from Trey Jones, who also had 7 boards, 7 assists, uh, 16 points, 14 rebounds for Victor Wembanyama. Wembanyama also with 7 assists, 3 blocks, 2 steals. And then Jeremy Sohan, 15 points, 16 rebounds with 2 steals as well. Impressive combination for Sohan and Wembenyama in this game. But then you look at things for the Pelicans. Zion Williamson, 33 points, 8 boards, 4 assists. Um, very effective. 9 of 13 from the free throw line. Got the job done there. They got 21 points from CJ McCollum. 19 points, 6 assists, 2 steals for Brandon Ingram. And then 33 points, uh, excuse me, 18 points, 9 rebounds for Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, so, New Orleans, just a touch more of that uh, star power with Zion, I suppose, outdueling Wemanyama inside, and the Pelicans able to get a close win after a back-and-forth sequence down on the wire in the closing moments. So there's your second game. That was from Friday night as well. We said we'd talk more Hawks. Let's jump to Saturday and their very next game at home, this time hosting the Golden State Warriors. Trey Young, of course, a player when he was coming out in the draft, 
a lot of comparisons. We're drawn to Steph Curry in terms of the uh, three-point shooting volume and uh, proficiency, as well as some some similar concerns about size. Um, both have proven to be great players in their own right. Steph, admittedly, seen a little bit higher than Trey Young. Young, of course, an all-star snub, but then a bit of a statement in this one. The Hawks win again. Uh, in overtime at home against the Warriors, 141 to 134, your final score. Overcoming another 60-point night in the NBA this season. We'll get to that in just a moment. Um, how about 17 lead changes in this game? Back and forth affair. Um, both teams evenly matched in terms of rebounds, assists. Golden um, State had more turnovers, and Atlanta shot better from the floor. So a couple of factors that were just a little bit more decisive for the Hawks. As far as box score for the Warriors, yeah, Steph Curry, 60 points, six boards, four assists. And he got it done uh, on 38 shots, shooting 58% from the floor, including 10 of 23 three-pointers made. So 60 and 10 threes joined Carl Anthony Towns as well as I believe Damian Lillard and maybe one or two other guys as the only players to do that. But he also joined Kobe Bryant as the only players to score 60 at 35 years or older. So impressive company. Of course, this was either the fifth or sixth total uh, 60 plus point game in the NBA this season, which now sets it apart as the season with the third most such scoring performances. The only other two seasons with more uh, 60 plus games, the 62 season and the 63 season, both of those with massive amounts of Wilt Chamberlain high scoring games as outliers. So pretty remarkable stuff outside of Steph scoring though. They got 17 off the bench from Lester Quinones, uh, 15 uh, actually well, 16 from Jonathan Kaminga, 15 off the bench from Brandon Bajemski, along with 11 rebounds, five assists, uh, 10 points for Clay Thompson, and then 10 off 10 rebounds off the bench from Kevon Looney. Not terrible production around a 60-point score, but when you look at things for Atlanta, they're much more well-balanced. Trey Young with 35 points in this game, six assists. They got 22 off the bench from Onyeko Kungwu, who also had 16 rebounds, uh, 21 points, 13 rebounds for Jalen Johnson, who also had eight assists. Uh, 19 points for DeJounte Murray with seven assists. And then Clint Capella, 17 points, 15 rebounds. Impressive week for Atlanta. We will have more to talk about with them later on, um, despite a couple other teams getting a little bit more attention as the hot teams in the NBA, one of them being the New York Knicks. But we had to highlight this. Um, the end of their nine-game win streak Saturday night in Madison Square Garden, they lost to the visiting Los Angeles Lakers and a bit of a rivalry. Uh, there's a good, you know, tradition to this matchup, the Lakers and Knicks, but the Lakers win in the garden, 113 to 105, again, ending the nine game win streak of the New York Knicks. 20 lead changes in this game. No one leading by double digits for the duration of the game, but it was a closing stretch by the Lakers that was able to seal the victory. As far as box score for the Knicks, they were led by Jalen Brunson. 36 points, 10 assists, 6 boards. Uh, they got 26 points from Dante DiVincenzo, who we've mentioned has been hot lately. He was 6 of 16 from 3. They also got 12 points, 11 rebounds from Josh Hart. 
and then 10 points each for both Precious Achiwa as well as Miles McBride, uh, McBride coming off the bench. However, the Lakers were led by LeBron James, 24 points, Austin Reeves, 22 points, seven assists, six boards, Anthony Davis, 12 points, 18 rebounds, four blocks, five assists, 16 from both D'Angelo Russell and Torian Prince, and then 10 off the bench as well for Jackson Hayes. Fairly well spread. Credit to them. They get that win, and this is just days after their statement win in Boston, in in another garden, in TD Garden. Um, Impressive wins lately for the Lakers, as we've talked about before. Up and down season so far for them, but this is the kind of win. uh, These last couple of wins are big wins that could start to turn the tide for them, show that they're turning a corner, flipping a switch, and uh, they could start to really build some momentum going into the closing months of the season. So huge win for the Lakers in that one. We'll wrap up our five on five drill with actually two games. We'll start with the the fifth game Um, on Sunday night, a double overtime affair in Oklahoma city with the thunder hosting the Toronto Raptors. The home team did escape with the win thunder winning it 135 to 127. Your final score in this one Um, looked like it could have been a runaway Toronto victory. Uh, mid-third quarter, they were down by about 23 points. And slowly but surely, the Thunder chipped away at that lead, took a lead in the fourth quarter, back and forth from there. Um, Aaron Wiggins able to get a game-tying layup to force over overtime. Uh, then there was a second overtime, and the Thunder able to come out on top in that second overtime. So down-to-the-wire affair, uh, very exciting stuff. How about the Thunder shooting 100% from the free throw line in this game? Very impressive stuff to see from them. As far as box scores for the the Raptors, they were led by R.J. Barrett, 23 points. Uh, they got 19 from three different players, Scotty Barnes, Jakob Pertl back in the lineup, and Dennis Schroeder off the bench. Uh, Schroeder 3 of 6 from 3, and Scotty Barnes 3 of 5 from the three-point range. They got six, uh, 17 with 11 assists from Emmanuel quickly, and then 16 points from Gary Trent Jr., who was four of eight from three. Not bad all around. There's some nice numbers there, but for the Thunder, they were led by five players with 20 or more points. The most of those coming from Josh Giddy, who had 24 points, followed closely by uh, the MVP-level candidate, SGA, Shea just alexander 23 points, 14 assists, nine rebounds, three blocks, two steals, stuffing this entire stat sheet there. Uh, They got 22 from both Chet Holmgren and Lou Dort. Holmgren also with two steals, two blocks. And then off the bench, it was Aaron Wiggins with not only that clutch layup, but 20 points, uh, total points as well. So impressive stuff. Um, As a result of this game, the, well, not as a result of this game, um, We'll get to that later. I don't know why I said the result of this game is kind of a separate news issue. So we'll we'll gloss over that. We'll move to the final game, bonus game. The Utah Jazz being a homer a little bit again, but you have to when they win a game like this at home against the Milwaukee Bucks, 123 to 108, your final score in Salt Lake as the Jazz win this game. The Bucks led by as many as 19 in this game and led by nearly 15 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. The Jazz had a ridiculous fourth quarter rally to win this game. Uh, they out-rebounded the Bucks by 20 rebounds. They had 20 more rebounds than the Bucks did. Uh, more assists 
and shot better from the floor, especially from the free throw line. Um, remarkable stuff. And definitely cause for some concern with Milwaukee. We'll talk on that later. Giannis was still great, though. He started at center in this game. 33 points, 13 assists, 7 boards. Not much more you can ask from him. They got 27 points from Bobby Portis starting alongside him. Uh, 16 points from Malik Beasley. 12 points for Damian Lillard, who also had 6 assists, 2 blocks and a steal, and then 10 off the bench from A.J. Green. Meanwhile, for the Jazz, they had 7 players in double figures, uh, being led by Larry Markinen, who was 5 of 10 from 3, 21 total points. 19 from both Colin Sexton, as well as Keontae George, uh, with his points coming off the bench. George also with 10 rebounds in this game, a career high. He was 5 of 9 from 3. They got 15 and 10 rebounds from John Collins. Uh, 13 points from Walker Kessler off the bench. We also had 8 boards, 3 blocks. 12 points for Jordan Clarkson off the bench, and then 11 points for Simone Fontecchio. Well-balanced, exciting win for the Jazz after they had struggled a bit more over the last couple of weeks. Perplexing for the Bucks, and again, we will talk a bit more about them uh, a little later on. But for now, those were the games we wanted to focus on. The remaining games we didn't have a chance to go more in depth on. We'll start with Friday. The Miami Heat won in Washington against the Wizards, one eight, uh, one ten to one hundred two. The LA Clippers won in Detroit against the Pistons, one thirty six to one twenty five. In that game, Westbrook became the twenty fifth player to score twenty five thousand career points. He also has the fourth most among active players, along with LeBron in first, Durant second, and Harden third. So continuing to be an elite company there. The Sacramento Kings won in Indiana against the Pacers, 133 to 122. The uh, Oklahoma City Thunder won at home against the Charlotte Hornets, 126 to 106. In that game, SGA had his ninth straight 30-point game, which also uh, he leads the league in that category with 37 total. The Orlando Magic won in Minnesota against the Timberwolves, 108 to 106. Close game, impressive win for the Magic to get as they've slid a little bit lately as well. The Golden State Warriors won in Memphis against the Grizzlies, 121-101. to The Houston Rockets beat the Toronto Raptors at home, 135-106. to And then finally, the Denver Nuggets won at home against the Portland Trailblazers, 120-108. to By the way, in that game, Jokic, 27 points, 22 rebounds, and 12 assists. Very impressive. His 2020-10 game is the second of the season of that category and only the sixth of its career. But only three players... Uh, have had more total 20, 20, and 10 games in their career. Wilt Chamberlain had 40 of those. Elgin Baylor had 10, and Oscar Robertson had eight. Again, record book numbers for Nikola Jokic. On Saturday, the Brooklyn Nets beat the Philadelphia 76ers in Philly, 136-121. to 121. For Philly, they are now 4-10 and 10 without Joel Embiid, who is currently out with a meniscus injury. We'll get more to that in just a bit. But Cam Thomas led the Nets with 40 points. The third time this season he's had 40. He's really been on the tear. Um, the Sacramento Kings won in Chicago against the Bulls, 123 to 115. De'Aaron Fox with 41 points. And Amana Sabonis, his 31st consecutive double-double. Also his 14th triple-double of the season, which trails only Nikola Jokic as far as league leaders this season in triple doubles. Remarkable stuff. The Cleveland Cavaliers won in San Antonio against the Spurs, 117-101. to Donovan Mitchell with 31. 
That is Cleveland's fifth straight win, the longest active win streak now. Their 13th win in the last 14 games. And after that point, they set a franchise best mark for the best start to a year, uh, a calendar year that is January onward uh, in franchise history. Uh, Even better than 2008, 2010, and 2016, the year they won the championship with LeBron at the helm. So very impressive company to be in. Uh, finally, last Saturday game, the Milwaukee Bucks won in Dallas against the Mavericks, 129 to 117. Uh, Luca had 40 points, nine boards, 11 assists, but Giannis, 48 points, six boards, 10 assists. Um, impressive stuff. I mean, Milwaukee trailed by as much as 25 in the first half, went on to win by 12. This is the first win for the Bucks with Doc Rivers as their head coach. Um, but back on that Giannis Luca battle, this is the first uh, pair, or th- the third pair rather, of players to total forty points and ten assists in the same game. The other two instances of that happening: Larry Bird versus Clyde Drexler in nineteen ninety two, and then Trey Young versus James Harden in twenty twenty. Remarkable numbers with scoring and assists in that game. Uh, And then finally on Sunday, the Orlando Magic won in Detroit against the Pistons, 111-99. to The Phoenix Suns won in Washington against the Wizards, 140-112, to winning in Bradley Beal's return to D.C. He had 43 points, the most, I believe, of any return for a player to their former, you know, place of playing or against their former team. Uh, pretty impressive stuff. By the way, that Orlando-Detroit game, Franz Wagner had a career-high 38 points in that game, uh, so very impressive as well. Next, the LA Clippers won in Miami against the Heat, 103-95. to uh, After that win, the Clippers have an NBA best 16-3 and record since Christmas, so they continue to impress as well. Uh, the Indiana Pacers won in Charlotte against the Hornets, 115-99, to overcoming a Career-high 35 from the rookie Brandon Miller. That is the most by a Hornets rookie since Alonzo Mourning in 1993. Very impressive company to be in. The Boston Celtics won at home against the Memphis Grizzlies, 131-91. to uh, The Minnesota Timberwolves won at home against the Houston Rockets, 111-90. to uh, And finals, the final game from Sunday night, Denver Nuggets won at home against the Portland Trailblazers, 112-103. to And that wrap up, wraps up the weekend's action. The key news from the last couple of days, um, some injury updates for the Chicago Bulls, devastating stuff. Guard Zach Levine to undergo season-ending right foot surgery. Again, devastating stuff. Of course, they've already been without Lonzo. Hasn't been a terrific season for Chicago. Uh, and now Levine is out as well. And their team to monitor the trade deadline too. We'll get to that in just a moment, but tough news. Uh, Even tougher news for Philadelphia center Joel Embiid is undergoing a procedure of some sort on his injured left knee. It's a meniscus. We know that much. We don't know what this procedure is. It's very secretive. Um, Excuse me. The expectation is that this is going to officially eliminate him from awards contention. Again, that was a big talking point this year. The minimum 65 game requirement for all NBA, uh, MVPs, Defensive Player of the Year, those types of awards. He was nearing that mark, and now he's going to miss extended time. Of course, we will update you with any uh, time frame or potential days of return. Um, devastating stuff. And then also a tough one for the, the Los Angeles Lakers. 
forward Jared Vanderbilt is out three to four weeks with a right midfoot sprain. For all those guys, we want to wish them the best as they work to recover from those injuries. We hope they get back on the floor sooner rather than later and can start helping out their teams again. But devastating stuff, especially for Philly um, with the expectations they had um, and the start they had to the season. Looked like they could be really one of the teams to beat in the NBA, and they've still been good. But now with an injury concern for Embiid, um, different story. But we'll see what happens there as far as the timeline. Uh, sad news for the NBA family, especially uh, the Sixers, Pistons, and Rockets teams that this player played for. Former NBA big man Earl Curitan passed away yesterday at the age of 66. Um, maybe not a, a marquee name, but he was a solid pro. Uh, played for 12 seasons and won two championships. One with the 1983 Philadelphia 76ers, and also with the 1994 Houston Rockets. He was a solid pro, and, uh, you know, every member of the NBA family, no matter how many games or how how few games he played, I I think they're all important and worth noting and respecting. So we want to wish his family the best at this time as they mourn that loss. Uh, Finally, we have a few updates uh, with uh, NBA-specific news. Uh, Firstly, a couple All-Star items. The NBA unveiled a LED court for a select 2024 All-Star events, one of those being the Celebrity Game and the other being All-Star Saturday Night. The dunk contest, three-point contest, and so on are apparently going to be on this LED court that can change colors and patterns and, and displays. I'm curious to see how that's received and how it will look on a broadcast as well, but could be interesting. And then also the head coaches have been officially uh, determined uh, in the East. Doc Rivers, because even though they're not the number one team, uh, the Boston Celtics are, but there's a rule. I believe it's colloquially known as the uh, Pat Riley rule or something to that nature. But if you coached the all-star team the previous season, you cannot coach them uh, back-to-back years. Um, And again, I think it's because of Pat Riley, and there was a stretch in the 80s where he just coached the Western Conference All-Stars all the time. Um, regardless, that rule is in place. And now <laughs> Doc Rivers is put in a position where he wasn't a head coach two weeks ago. And now he's the Eastern All-Stars head coach because of what uh, Adrian Griffin's team was able to do 95 to 97% of that time. So it's interesting. Um, he, he had comments where he's like, yeah, this is not great. You know, I, I'm going to give the the all-star game coaching ring type thing and those awards to Adrian Griffin. And he's maybe going to send, he said, oh, I might just send my coaching staff to coach the game and I'll take a vacation because he doesn't really feel like he's earned it. So anyways, so he'll be the East uh, all-star head coach. And then Chris Finch, your Western Conference all-star head coach, of course, the coach of the Timberwolves. Uh, well-earned. So congratulations uh, there. And then finally, your Eastern and Western Conference Players of the Month, or Players of the Week, rather, Trey Young and Kawhi Leonard, your Players of the Week for this past week. Congratulations to them. Well-deserved. They will be um, a part of our MVP conversation, our weekly MVP. MVP. Uh, but for now, let's move on to our next segment, our Power Rankings. rankings all 
All right, power rankings. And I'm going to start with moves outside of the top 10. On the fringe of the top 10, I have the Suns up one spot to 11 and the Pelicans up one spot to 12. They're hovering close. They've had better runs. Phoenix was right there. You know, I debated putting them ahead of the team in the 10th spot, but I want to see it for just a little bit longer. They've been more inconsistent than not for much of the season. Um, so I'd like to see them build more consistency before I really put them into a top 10 spot. Otherwise, Indiana fell three spots. Orlando moved up to three spots. They're neck and neck, 13 and 14. Dallas, the Lakers fell down, uh, as did the Utah Jazz. Jazz at 18. Miami, Houston, Atlanta, all up one or two spots. Chicago fell three. In the bottom group, Toronto and Memphis swapped again, and I swapped Detroit and Washington again, so Detroit is back at the bottom. Otherwise, the real intrigue, of course, is in the top 10. Starting with number 10, I have the Sacramento Kings, 3-1 uh, and one over the past week. Uh, they were 3-0 and oh the week before that, and so they've built nice momentum over the last couple of weeks, but then, of course, we know that they have a balanced roster. I really believe in Mike Brown as their coach and you know, he changed the culture. We wouldn't be talking about the Kings as a playoff team or a top 10 team just two seasons ago or even less, but he has set a great expectation for them. And uh, Sabonis killing it with the double doubles. De'Aaron Fox um, been better lately. Keegan Murray, I think, is a sleeping potential future all-star, honestly, with his size and skill set. If he got an opportunity in the future, I think that could be a possibility. Um, so I like the Kings a lot. I have them at 10. At 9, falling two spots, the Philadelphia 76ers, who are 1-3. and three. Um, Tough week. You could argue they could have fallen more due to the Joel Embiid question mark if he's going to miss time. We mentioned again they're 4-10 and 10 so far this season without Embiid. So that's going to be a big hindrance to their efforts to, to be a top-tier team in the East. For now, they they can they've still gotten wins together. Nick Nurse has done a great job there, um, and Tyrese Maxey, an All Star, uh, he's he's a capable player. So I think there's a, a game plan in a world where they're able to keep the ship afloat uh, well enough without Embiid. But for now, I have him falling at eight, falling four spots the Milwaukee Bucks, and I'm starting to get more in tune. I think we've kept them at the top a little bit longer than maybe we should have. Record wise, it was hard not to, but you know. A lot of people, league circles and Bucks people especially, you know, have doubts about the team. Now with the whole coaching situation and them struggling to win games, uh, now that Doc Rivers is there, losing to the Jazz, um, having to rely too much on Giannis, you know, I think there are a lot of things to be worried about with Milwaukee. I have them falling to the eighth spot, still top 10 because they have the talent and the record, but there's concerns, and I think uh, I'll have a, a quicker comment later on for a different segment with Milwaukee. But for now, let's jump to the seventh spot. Up one, the New York Knicks, who were three and one. Um, debated moving them up one more, but I think up one is good. They're still just outside the top five, but of course, they've had a tremendously hot streak. The only thing keeping them from going up two or more was they did have the loss. They lost to the Lakers. The win streak is over, but if they can continue to have you know more wins and losses the next couple of weeks and i think they're gonna um at least remain in seven maybe even move up at six the hottest team they moved up three spots the cleveland cavaliers four and oh 
over the last week. And um, they're just scary as far as the talent level. They had gotten so many wins strung together without their top tier guys, or some of them in Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. Those guys are back now. Mitchell doesn't have to do as much of the scoring. Um, he's playing arguably at a dark horse MVP type level for what Cleveland's been able to do. They have a chance to move up into a top two or three spot in the Eastern Conference. That's very impressive. I have them at number six. At five, no change. Denver, three and one. Still some concerns, but we know what they are at this point. Um, they haven't fallen off. They haven't been world, you know, complete world beaters, but they've been very, very good. So they're at five. At four, up two spots, the Los Angeles Clippers breaking into the top five for me. You just can't deny them. Again, the best mark since Christmas this season. Um, Kawhi and Paul George back in an all-star category. Their resurgence along with the great play of Harden and Westbrook as complimentary players. They just got Zubats back from injury. I like Clippers there at four. At three, up one, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Up two or at at two, up one spot, the Oklahoma City Thunder at two. So those two both move up one to take the spot uh, of Milwaukee and and other teams. Thunder and Timberwolves are are neck and neck. You can make a case for either as the top team in the West and therefore um, number two, and then the second best team in the West, number three. Um, Both great for different reasons. Timberwolves have the, the size in the front court along with the emerging Anthony Edwards. Meanwhile, the Thunder have an MVP-level player in Jay Gilders Alexander and just an exciting young core of talent with Holmgren, a bit of a unicorn player. Have them two, two and three, and then again, number one, Boston Celtics, three and one. No reason to move them off. They've held that spot. They have held the number one spot since week eight for me. I moved Minnesota up for week seven. Outside of that, they've held the top spot all but week one and week eight. Week week one, I had Denver before games started. Um, no, sorry, that was that was the first week of games. Denver was three and zero. Adam number one, and then week two, I moved Boston up. Boston stayed there. Minnesota took the top spot for week seven. Boston moved back in week eight, and they haven't fallen off since. Um. But again, if Boston slips and another team continues to be red hot, they could fall. But right now, there's no reason to move them. They've locked up that spot. They have an advantage. And that is our latest power rankings. With that, let's jump into not DEFCON levels. We don't have a drop for this one. But we're just going to do an impromptu final trade deadline prepper. Some quick thoughts on what to expect with the upcoming trade deadline on Thursday before it comes. And then we'll do our wrap up show on Thursday as well. But a couple of quick thoughts as far as likely players to move the names that are getting talked about a lot on ESPN and the other sports pages. I've seen DeJounte Murray, Zach Levine, Malcolm Brogdon, Kelly Olenek, and Kyle Kuzma. I know there's other names like Alex Caruso that might get thrown in here, but I tried to go with a balance of most commonly talked about and names that I think are most likely to get moved. I think DeJounte Murray makes sense. As good as he's been in moments, Trey Young is the better player, and he's also the draft pick of the Hawks. 
I feel like, you know, Murray was a weird signing to begin with. I wasn't sure how that pairing was going to work. And I don't think he's really part of a problem, but I don't think that pairing is a natural fit for a growth and success and, you know, playing off each other as efficiently as you'd like. So watch for Murray. Of course, the Lakers are a big one there. Lakers are a big name with any of these guys. Um, Another another team that got mentioned was Utah, interestingly enough, and I don't know how I'd feel about that because I felt like we had, feel like we have some guards that have potential, anyways. But watch out for Murray; it's an interesting name to watch for. Um, also, Zach Levine again; he's out for the rest of the season, so that will damper this a lot. But maybe there's a team that is looking for next season, and they feel like they can get some sort of a bargain at the trade deadline, or you know, excuse me. With the weirdness of the timeline now, it being a move for next season, they feel like they can make a move to get him. Who knows? Um, these last three are, I think, pretty likely to move. Malcolm Brogdon um, is too talented of a guard, and he's missed some games in recent seasons, but he can play either guard spot. Uh, he can play on winning teams. We've seen it with Boston and uh, earlier Milwaukee. You know, I think he could be a great piece for a team to go after. Um, you know, maybe you look for Denver or something like that to to try and bring in a Malcolm Brogdon. Not sure if they would make that move, but I think it could be intriguing. Uh, Kelly Olenek for the Jazz. <clears throat> that one seems like it makes a lot of sense. Age-wise, he's not going to fit a Jazz timeline, of course, and he's versatile. He's a, a power forward or center. He, you can maybe stretch him if you want to play a real big lineup at a three. He can hit open three-point shots. Um, he can run an offense well. He's intelligent. You know, I think he could be a good fit for anyone that's looking for a little bit more stability um, with some of that backup play. And then Kyle Kuzma for the, the Wizards. Um, I think that's a name to watch for as well. And it's interesting. This is another topic I wanted to hit on. Um, we've made a couple of weekly predictions tied to the trade deadline and week seven, I made the prediction that, the, that Kyle Kuzma will be involved in a surprise trade at the deadline. Now, I don't know. It would be so much of a surprise trade, but I still think that could happen. There's teams interested in that kind of help. Um, one I've seen when browsing, this is Dallas getting some front court help along with the, the guards and Kyrie and Luca. But otherwise, that one's interesting. The other predictions we've made involving the trade deadline, Wyatt talked about the Warriors breaking up uh, the big three, trading one of those three guys, likely meaning either Clay Thompson or Draymond Green. Um, I think that could happen with Golden State. It's kind of seeming like a lost season, and maybe they decide it's the right time to break things up and try and reconstruct a new team of some sort. Uh, we'll see. Could be interesting. The last one we made, I'm very much not as sold on this. Um, week 10, I made a prediction about uh, Cade Cunningham becoming a trade target of various teams and the Pistons looking to or ended up end up trading multiple players at the trade deadline. They made a trade already, um, but I don't think they're going to make big splashy moves. I don't know if they trade one of the, the younger guards or younger front court guys or even play on Bogdanovich. 
Um, I feel like they're content to start getting just a touch better momentum as they've gotten so far with Monty Williams and such. But um, anyways, those are some weekly predictions. Just keeping tabs on those. Final thought, I mentioned we talked Milwaukee. Look for them at the trade deadline. You know, especially with Rivers there and the concern that they have with how the lineup is playing. You know, not sure if it's picks for a player or um, younger players for a veteran or what the move is, but they don't have a, a, as much confidence in their backup, their bench unit. So if they make a, a big splash trade deadline move, uh, wouldn't be too surprised by that. So again, just a real quick, you know, glancing look into players and teams and moves to maybe keep an eye out for with the trade deadline. Um, it's really hard to predict until it actually happens. And again, we'll be back on Thursday to talk through that uh, and the moves that happen as well. But for now, let's jump into our normal Monday segment with our weekly MVP. Weekly MVP. Okay. This is going to be a shorter segment as well, because I've, I already kind of made the pick for weekly MVP and it's an interesting week because of course New York and Cleveland have been the hot teams on our social media post on Friday, where we're talking about who's going to win this week's MVP. Uh, we highlighted some of the stars from those teams, Mitchell for the Cavaliers, Brunson for the Knicks, and then also Dante DiVincenzo who had such a hot week um, as potential candidates as a weekly MVP goes. Um, you know, they, in the West, Kawhi Leonard was given the Western Conference Player of the Week as the Clippers continue to be, you know, the most, the, the longest hot team, <laughs> longest running hot team of all the, the hot teams lately um, in the NBA of the, the handful that there are. Um, so those were a few names to mention. Um, you know, Steph Curry, they were two and one outside of that Atlanta loss. He had huge scoring and, um, was still kind of carrying the team to wins as much as he could. SGA, always a, a name in the mix. But we're going with the other player of the week guy who was named in the Eastern Conference, Trey Young. And I was surprised to look to last season of the podcast and this season. Trey Young had never won a weekly MVP, but man, did he earn it this week. 31 points a game on 57% shooting from the floor. But even more crazy, 64.5% from three-point range on 10.3 attempts. Absolutely ludicrous three-point shooting numbers. Um, about 78% from the free throw line, okay-ish. Um, one rebound a game, not great at all. But then 11.3 assists, 30, 31 and 11 across three games that they all won. And then 1.7 steals with, you know impressive wins against the Warriors and the Suns, um, big stuff. And Trey got snubbed as an all-star, I think, a little bit. Um, he's been kind of undervalued in recent seasons because of the struggles of the Atlanta Hawks. And again, still lingering doubts about his play style. But he's great. I believe in Trey. I like Trey as a player. We We've seen in recent memory – 2021, the Hawks have a phenomenal playoff run with Trey as the guy. I think there's 
you know, every world possible where the Hawks are a great team and Trey is the catalyst for that. And this is an example of that unbelievable play, winning basketball. So we're giving our week 15 MVP to Trey Young. Ice Trey, congratulations, Trey. If you want to stop by next time you're in Utah, we'd love to have you and, and you know, give you a an honor that we hope can be some sort of a consolation for not making a you know another all-star game that you you could have been well deserving of. Um, but that is our weekly MVP. And we'll go ahead and wrap things up, uh, starting with our weekly forecast. All of the times that I will give for these games are in Eastern Standard Time. So keep that in mind as you're planning any potential schedules around these games. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, there's seven games total. Uh, two of those are national broadcasts, a TNT doubleheader. At 7.30, the Brooklyn Nets host the Dallas Mavericks. Luca or not Luca Kyrie back in Brooklyn against his former team. And then it's also Dinwiddie and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith against their former team in Dallas. Meanwhile, at 10, uh, 10 o'clock on TNT, the Phoenix Suns host the Milwaukee Bucks, a rematch of the 2021 NBA Finals. Giannis versus Durant, Booker and Beal versus Lillard should be a great one to watch out for and intriguing with how those teams have started the year. Your remaining games at 7 o'clock, the Indiana Pacers host the Houston Rockets. Two games at 7.30, Knicks host the Grizzlies and then the Magic are in Miami against the Heat for a Southeast Division matchup. At 8 o'clock, the Chicago Bulls host the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then at 9, the Utah Jazz host the Oklahoma City Thunder in a Northwest Division matchup. That's local access, either Jazz Plus or KJazz on local Utah cable networks. On Wednesday, seven games total to national broadcasts and ESPN doubleheader this time. At 7.30, the Philadelphia 76ers host the Golden State Warriors again, doubly without Joel Embiid. Um, so a little bit less star power in that game. It's still intriguing. And then at 10 o'clock, the LA Clippers host the New Orleans Pelicans. Very interesting. Pelicans have been better lately, but the Clippers have been red hot. Uh, who can win that type of a game? Your remaining games at 7 o'clock. The Wizards host the Cavs, and also at 7, the Raptors are in Charlotte against the Hornets. At 7.30, Heat hosts the Spurs, and the Atlanta Hawks are in Boston against the Celtics. Then at 10 o'clock, the Sacramento Kings host the Detroit Pistons. On Thursday, nine games total. Again, two national broadcasts, a TNT doubleheader. At 7.30, the New York Knicks host the Dallas Mavericks. This time, Jalen Brunson hosting his former team in the Mavs. Um, as Brunson's an all-star this year, and he's been off to, to new heights in New York. And then at 10 o'clock, the Los Angeles Lakers host the Denver Nuggets. Jokic versus LeBron and AD. Uh, intriguing stuff there. Your remaining games at 7 o'clock, the Orlando Magic hosts the San Antonio Spurs. Also at 7, the Indiana Pacers hosts the Golden State Warriors. Curry versus Halliburton, I think, underrated potential matchup there. Uh, at 7.30, the Brooklyn Nets host the Cleveland Cavaliers. Two games at 8 o'clock, the Bucks host the Timberwolves. Very interesting game there. Uh, also at 8, the Grizzlies host the Chicago Bulls. At 9 o'clock, the Phoenix Suns host the Utah Jazz. Again, Jazz Plus or K-Jazz. And then at 10 o'clock, the Portland Trailblazers host the Detroit Pistons. Finally, on Friday, six games total, two national broadcasts. This time on NBA TV at 7 o'clock, the Philadelphia 76ers host the Atlanta Hawks. And then at 10.30, the New Orleans Pelicans are in Los Angeles against the Lakers. Zion versus LeBron is always intriguing. Your remaining games there at 7.30, the Toronto Raptors host the Houston Rockets. 
Also at 7.30, the Boston Celtics host the Washington Wizards. At 8, the Hornets are in Milwaukee against the Bucks, And then finally at 10, the Sacramento Kings host the Denver Nuggets. Luka versus Sabonis. Again, the two league leaders in triple-doubles this season. Very intriguing stuff there. So those are the games to watch for this week, and we'll uh, get things mostly closed out here with our This Day in History fact for you. We're going back to February 5th of 1978. In what proved to be John Havlicek's last All-Star game, Philadelphia's Doug Collins relinquished his starting spot so Hondo could be in the starting lineup. Havlicek scored 10 points in a 133-125 to East win. Again, the eternally underrated John Havlicek, the Celtics' all-time leader in points. That's all you need to know, and that speaks volumes about him as a player, especially with the history of the Celtics franchise. But that is it for today's episode. I want to thank you all again for listening. We really appreciate it. Just remember, no Wednesday episode. We'll be back with you on Thursday for our trade deadline special.